Hi guys and welcome. This is Jen Gata Siciliano, artist, memoir writer, bipolar psychiatric survivor, and your host of Not As Crazy As You Think podcast, the place that offers an alternative perspective on mental illness, highlighting creativity, non-conventional healing, and breaking on through to the other side. If you are ready for a new narrative on the mental realm that celebrates crazy and cool without penalty, then Not As Crazy As You Think is for you. Hello, this is Jen Gata Siciliano, your host of Not As Crazy As You Think podcast. Thank you for joining again today. We have a wonderful visitor with us. I'm so happy she agreed to be a guest. Her name is Emily Giordeo, and she is passionate about helping people heal their lives with diet, mindfulness, and lifestyle. Her focus is to help those with anxiety and depression heal naturally. Emily holds a Bachelor's of Science in Biology from Central Michigan University and is a certified integrative nutrition health coach through the Institute of Integrative Nutrition. She's also in the process of acquiring her yoga teacher certification through Bodhi Yoga Center. After struggling for 15 years before learning how inflammation plays a role in these conditions, Emily reclaimed her life and now offers nutrition and yoga-based tools for holistic mental health. Emily, thank you so much for joining us and sharing your wisdom with my listeners. Thanks for coming on, not as crazy as you think. Oh, thank you so much, Jen, for having me. It's a really an honor to be here. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, I want to tell people how I discovered you. I, um, you know, I'm always open to finding anything that I can about psych med tapering on my as I'm on my journey. Um, and I'm a, a year and a half in, so slow is the way to go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you had battled with antidepressant dependency for seven years. Mm-hmm. And you tried getting off before and there were some issues. Maybe it was too fast and you discovered that slow approach. So can you tell us a little bit about your own story? Yeah, most definitely. So um, I started struggling with mental health when I was 15 years old. I'm now 32. And um, so for you know most of my life. And I was a really happy, healthy kid um, and teenager. I didn't have a worry in my life, and um, but I had really bad allergies. And uh, my parents were trying to do the best for me. Uh, you know, researched some doctors and found a course of you know um, just allergy shots that a lot of people take. Um, and it was like new in Brazil, not very commonplace. It's like really cutting edge technology there. So we're like, okay, yeah, we're in the best hands to cure allergies. Um, I went through the, the, the allergy treatment um, and at first it just, you know, entailed just getting like one shot um, every week for a month. And then once a month for many months, I forget exactly the length of the uh, treatment, but uh, that specifically allergy shot had um, aluminum adjuvants, um, which adjuvants are basically com- like components in either shots or vaccines that help your immune system just react to the antigen a little bit and mount an immune response. So it's part of, it's designed to, you know, within that shot. Um, and uh, with the problem with aluminum adjuvants um, that was in those shots is it's also a powerful neurotoxin. And it's mm. something that your body usually 
cannot detox properly. You have to have, especially if it's injected rather than ingested. When you ingest, you know, through like, you know, if you're eating food that's been canned or cooked on aluminum foil or cooked on an aluminum pan, um, hopefully you're also ingesting silica in your diet and that kind of helps bind the aluminum and take it away from your body mm. without being a bioaccumulated, right? Like we hear a lot about a lot when we talk about fish, you know, mm. and mercury and fish, it bioaccumulates. It happens in your body and aluminum tends to accumulate in the brain. Um, and um, it can, you know, lead, there's a big link between aluminum and Alzheimer's, aluminum and autism, aluminum and series of different behavior and mood disorders, um, including anxiety and depression. And that's when my anxiety and depression set in uh, within a month of starting the treatment. I was wow. diagnosed with half a dozen like um, different, um, you know, psychological disorders, let's say. Oh, so. Goodness. Anxiety, panic attacks, uh, depressed, you know, depression, agoraphobia, claustrophobia, dispersonalization, dissociation, you know, mm. PTSD, so on and so forth. They kept diagnosing me. Um, and once you have that very acute onset, you know, they just put me on medication right away. Yeah. So it wasn't until years later that I, through my own research, was finding out that all of these things lined up and they made sense. Right. Um, so I guess that's, that's how it started. And with, you know, being put on medication at 15 or, you know, actually I tried to not take medication at that time. And, uh, was a few years later that I started really taking the full like course. So they put me on 10 milligrams of Lexapro to, um, try to manage all these different conditions, which was basically heavy metal toxicity, um, that, you know, which causes really, really a great amount of inflammation in your body and in your brain. Mm. Um, and the, the, the thing is like, I do really believe the psychiatrists are trying to help their patients. They are because the psychiatrist that I saw, he was so caring and such a good, genuine person that really believes in, in, in his, you know, course of medicine, his, right. his side of medicine, they do believe that they, they are trying to help people. And that was the reason why I also trust him so blindly because I was like, he, I'm in good hands. He cares about me. Sure. You know, he really did, but it's just not a root cause approach. Right. I was never informed that that medication might create dependency and I might have trouble. What I was informed is we'll try for three to six months. If you get better, we'll try taking you off of it. If you don't, you might have to take it for life. Mm -hmm. And I never got, you know, like a full informed consent of these. Also the side effects, you know, that it might come with it. It was right. just, let's touch base and see if you feel anything, if not, um, but some of these side effects are delayed you know, it, it happens over time. It right. doesn't happen right within you start taking the drug. So, um, over the course of the year, so, you know, it got better short term. So within three months, I was feeling much better fall from all these conditions and antidepressants out like SSRIs like Lexapro, they are studied short term, right? right? They are prescribed short-term. And I really do believe it can, in a lot of cases, especially if, uh, for example, like you're trying to just get over a really bad patch. Exactly. Right. Maybe you don't have the money because it's really expensive to go to a naturopath, or maybe yeah. you don't have the time or like, it, it, you know, if you're suicidal or things like it can be a life-saving the moment, but it also, you also need the option to know 
everything that is about that and what it's been researched to do, which it has not been long-term and also informed about dependency and possible withdrawal when trying to quit. I have to say, I love this narrative of yours because you really are hitting on so many areas and this idea that first, of course, if you get into any kind of healing science, right, you're looking to help people. And I can come across very like, psychiatry, you know what I mean? Because I've been (laughs) harmed by it so much, but I am very aware that the people who are getting into these fields, they do want to help. They're not out to harm people, certainly. And yet, because they believe so much in their, in their philosophy, right? They almost do it blindly because, Mm -hmm. you know, science has shown now, I mean, it's beautiful that all these studies are coming out that are just completely debunking the chemical imbalance myth, but mm-hmm. they really um, kept pushing this, this, this story to their patients. And if it was just a story, then it's not based in science. And, you know, to put all of that weight upon, you know, I guess their opinions or whatnot, when it's really a philosophy that's just, you know, you have to at some point say, well, if it's a philosophy, then, you know, what are the people experiencing who are on these meds? Is everybody happy? Is this a, is this like a foolproof choice of treatment? And it's not. As we both know, this informed consent was never part of the policy. And, you know, now we're we're finally asking for this, but it is so important because I think most people, if they knew what these things do long term to you, you know, they might think twice about starting the treatment because the tapering is not part of the treatment. Mm -hmm. Doctors aren't schooled to taper. The only thing that they're doing is saying, okay, well, we're going to get you on it. Let's see how it goes you know? Yeah. And so there's no exit plan. And and that is troubling. So my question to you in regards to all that, like, what is your advice for that first course of treatment? If somebody's struggling with something, I, the, the natural thing to do or what people are being advised to do is to go right away to the psychiatrist and try to, you know, figure things out. And they think they're doing the right thing. But there's a lot of other ways that you can go first to kind of cancel out other possible functional issues. Yeah. Like, what yeah. do you what do you advise on that? Yeah, no, that's a good question. And the first thing that I always tell people that they come because they 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 look at me and they're like, "Oh, you've been through this. What should I do?" The first thing I say, like, I know this from ex- experience, but I'm not an expert, right? I'm not right. a doctor, or a, so I always say that, like, full disclosure, like, I know this from my experience, but your experience might be different. So just establishing that so they know that I don't take medical advice from me. Right. Take what I say and go home and do your own research or ask your practitioners um, to draw the best course of action. But the first thing is uh, that I ask before I give advice is, do you have a um, mental health um, practitioner that is part of your care team? Are you in therapy pretty much? And to me, it doesn't really matter if you're in talk therapy, AMDR, hypnotherapy, 
you know, as some semi, maybe a support group that's led by a licensed therapist that to me, mm-hmm. that's what matters. Like, do you have that support? And the right. person will say yes or no. And I'm like, if no, like, it's really important that, you know, that's one of be one of my first course of actions, because whatever changes you're going to make, you're going to go through like different like mind states or emotions that you need to be supported. So yeah. either if you decide to go through meds or through like natural approaches, make sure you're supported that way. Mm-hmm. And then I ask, are you, do you have a holistic practitioner that specializes in taper on your team? And most likely they'll say no. Yeah. And then and then I do it to the people that join my support group. So I then just then sent them a package of like, this is the step, the steps I took to find a qualified holistic practitioner. Nice. Uh, because um, I can tell you the supplementation schedule, the, the dietary changes, the exercise and lifestyle changes that helped me. But I don't know your, you know, your full story to know how you're going to react to like these different approaches. Right. So your you know, like ideally you're not following a protocol because you're following something that's bio individualized to you. Mm -hmm. So, and that's a concept that I learned through integrative nutrition when I was going through the training is what works for me might not work for you. Uh, You know, one, one person's food is another person's poison. So I ask that and I give those resources and my, you know, at first, because I think those are the foundations. Um, and after that, I, you know, I, I can share, like, I can share what helped me, you know, right. um, I took the, I took the meds cause I didn't have any other knowledge, no other option. What it seems like no other option at that time. And then it helped me for a short term and it really st- got into the struggle from seven to 10 years to, you know, be able to get out of medication. Um, and something that will work slower, which is this the natural approach, mm-hmm. um, which is really starting with an anti-inflammatory diet, um, and really revising your entire lifestyle to reduce inflammation. Because like you said, the, uh, chemical imbalance theory is being debunked now. And that yes. I actually, um, well, I'm also very passionate about this because I, I, heard those words come out of my psychiatrist's mouth. He said, you have a chemical imbalance. Yes, we all heard it. Right. Like, and (laughs) we don't have a way to test it. And that's all I know. And that's what this medication will help this, you know, and if you're feeling better, it means like that's corrected and you might have it for your entire life. So we're moving away from the, from the chemical imbalance theory model to the chronic inflammation, brain inflammation model, which, you know, when your body's inflamed, when your brain is inflamed, that's when you get different kinds of psychiatric uh, conditions. Now, I always remind people, inflammation is not the root cause. It's a buzzword. We're, you know, like learning about it. I'm inflamed. How do I get inflammation down? People want to get different supplements. But if you're not addressing the source of the inflammation, um, you're really not getting to the root cause. So you're getting one step closer, you know? So that's why I really narrow down an anti-inflammatory lifestyle, not just diet. Yes. So a diet is one thing, but stress management is so key. You can eat all the kale in the world. (laughs) If that's that's what you believe, it's good for you, right? Because there's also different people in different bodies, but you're going to eat really well, and have really be really stressed at work 
um, or, you know, at home. And then that was going to set a sort of inflammation that it, you can't upset with diet, right? Right. So anti-inflammatory diet, stress management through mindfulness, through exercise, um, and just practices that link you with your like larger purpose that brings you back to mm. nature. Yes. Um, so all of these things are also going to counteract our modern lifestyles of being exposed to like different electromag- electromagnetic frequencies and things like that. It also do cause inflammation. Right. Um, so when I say the slow approach, it really is slow. So when people are in crisis, they need to have the right practitioners by their side, because I am really good as a health coach to help you with like the dietary lifestyle changes that we will do three to six months. But it might be the case that to manage your symptoms, you're going to have to start with a course of supplements that are going to like help relieve your symptoms. And that is really specific to you. Yes. So that's what I usually say, (laughs) which is the long answer. And people just, they just want to tell me like, eat this or drink this. And I'm like, it's more. (laughs) And you know what, though? It's very, it's a beautiful journey once one begins it, because it is so personalized and you realize like what your body is responding to and what it's rejecting when you go down that course. I mean, I was looking you know, really going through all your stuff on, on Instagram. You have a great Instagram account. Everybody follow her. It's health, <laughs> health with Emily. Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah. Health with Emily. Yeah, yes. E-M-I-L-I-E. So yes. Make sure you check it out. And, and I love it because like, it feels like you're just like a walking pillar of health. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so it's really good. Whatever you're doing, you're really like, you know, setting the perfect brand, but it's true. You do carry your, your teachings within your choices and and the way you also, you know, put forward your healthy lifestyle. So Mm -hmm. one of the things I always talk about with people and people who know me for a while now, I've been gluten-free for 11 years and never touched the stuff again. And I, you know, I'm Italian. Mm, Oh, that's difficult. (laughs) That was huge. Okay. Like, I mean, and I, you know, I cut out the alcohol, so no wine either, either, you know, but, but like the pasta and the bread, that was an issue, you know, but the thing is when I, and this was in the day, you know, 11 years ago, the products weren't what they are now. I mean, today everything's Mm -hmm. delicious. That's Mm gluten-free. So, you know, this was back in the day where it was just like, oh my God, I got to eat that stuff, you know, like, (laughs) but you know, I made the changes and, 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 whatever. I, I learned more and more. And then I found things like the whole foods diet, which was, you know, also like low on grains and, you know, reducing inflammation. And I learned about all the sugar issues, you know, that are also related. Now, the thing is, I, when I cut out gluten, I have, I'm sure you're familiar with candida. Mm-hmm. Yes. So that's a big, you know, like gut health issue, right? Leaky gut. And so it's that pretty much was completely going on at the same time as I was trying to prove to everybody, I don't need these meds. You know what I mean? But I had no way of creating any kind of a balance in my life until I took care of that issue first. So the symptoms that do pop up, you know, they are these these after expressions of our body, like trying to like kind of, I guess, let us know what's wrong. You know, what I mean, like, take care of me. This is this yeah. is a symptom. But we mm-hmm. always because we were so ingrained in the system with, you know, what psychiatry calls these things, you know, it's like, oh, well, that is a psychiatric 
symptom. So <laughs> it's interesting how one kind of supports the other. And then one, you know, if one is imbalanced, it can reveal something else. So these things are really all about whole body conditions, these mood conditions. Yeah. Right. 100%. 100%. So what do you do when you are in a state where, you know, you need to, you need to begin somewhere? Like mm -hmm. what would be the best like thing for a person who's just like listening to this saying, you know what, I think I have something going on. You know what I mean? Like, is there, can you point them to like a general, um, theme that they should look into, like researching on their own? Is it the anti-inflammatory diet where they should start? Yeah, I think um, there's like many, many different ways that people can start. But I, I found that food is a really powerful first, you know, step because, um, you know, you have 70% of your immune system is, you know, in your gut and you are, you know, every, that's how you bring the word the outside world in, into your body to get nourishment. So I feel like a lot of times it's easier to start with diet. Now, different people are different. They might want to start with exercise, lifestyle, mm. things like that. And I work with different people to kind of understand what is that they can address first. Right. But primarily I started with diet because I was just noticing, like you mentioned, um, a lot of different symptoms in my body. Like I had these rashes that I couldn't explain nighttime palpitations, a post nasal drip. Uh, I was overweight and I had acne, you know, all these things in, in addition to all like the anxiety and the depression and things. And that's when I was still in the medication, I was still experiencing, um, anxiety, uh, quite a bit, especially, you know, through the form of like, um, dissociation and depersonalization, which are really very uncomfortable conditions, mm. um, which are all, they're all part of anxiety, you know, in that broader form, but, um, the anti-inflammatory diet, it's, it's very powerful for me because, um, you know, I was able to start really noticing the results quite, um, you know, I don't want to say fast, but because it really depends where you are in your journey. But um, I don't think um, with anyone in any particular condition that starting with uh, adjusting your diet is harmful because there's, you know, if you start with supplementation, you might not be taking the right stuff. If you start right. with like a super crazy exercise routine, you might, you might be, you know, adding more inflammation to your body. Right. But if you start with shifting and there's a few basic things that I tell people, just shift from, you know, a processed food diet that you might be eating into a whole food based diet. Now that's the first step. I don't care if you're vegan, paleo, carnivore, what it is that you, if you, there's a label on your diet or not, even if you are not gluten-free or dairy-free or any, any of these things, just by continue to eat whatever is that you eat, but transition from processed to whole foods, you are going to find a big, big difference. Yes. So, you know, instead of, you know, reaching for the fruit loops, you reach, you reach for the fruit, right. Instead right. of uh, getting a packaged snack or, um, a canned dinner, you are making, you know, you're buying the actual rice and then the dried beans and you're making that food from scratch mm -hmm. with the ingredients that, you know, are whole food based. So fruits, vegetables, meats, grains, um, 
and um, beings, nuts and seeds, you know, all of these things transitioning from, you know, artificial sugary drinks to water Mm -hmm. or even transitioning from that to fruit juice and then from diluted from that to diluted fruit juice and then eventually water, you know? Um, So that... I think the whole food diet, it's just going to get you a step closer to eating the anti-inflammatory diet. The problem is a lot of people, they're so far into the inflammatory spectrum, which is a spectrum, by the way, mm-hmm. uh, the inflammation spectrum from, you know, you're, you're healthy, you don't have any symptoms to autoimmune disease when, you know, your body created an immune response to kind of, and it's attacking your own tissues. Yes. Uh, a lot of people think like, okay, one day I developed an autoimmune condition, but in reality, these conditions have been in the works for many, many years, mm. um, in your body. And then they just, the full blown condition of inflammation is autoimmune condition, uh, which by the way, there's been some theories that depression is an autoimmune condition mm. and, you know, a lot some mood issues are autoimmune conditions because of inflammation as well. So it, it might be the case that different, even whole foods based products, like certain grains or beans or, um, certain vegetables will cause inflammation in your body. Right. And that is because, you know, like for example, certain grains have gluten, which is a really, a, a protein that's been, uh, just really mutated over the years. Like when you said you're yes. Italian, like your ancestors were eating a really much more like um, heirloom version of that wheat mm-hmm. that wasn't hybridized to, you know, um, optimize crop yields right. over a short period of time. And that's what happened with wheat. And now our bodies can't really recognize this like gluten, which is a group of proteins that um, has been, you know, hybridizing changed so quickly that our bodies didn't keep up with right, it. And then right. it was just foreign to the body and it mounts an immune response that then causes inflammation. And um, gluten causes inflammation in everyone and in some people more than others, but mm-hmm. it's not just like, oh, I'm immune to this. I'm okay. Like it might, it might create just a low grade level for you, but it really like a whole lot for more people. So right. it might be the case that glutens or lectins and, um, and, you know, beans are other class of like proteins. Um, it can be the casein in milk, mm-hmm. um, that is, you know, affecting your thyroid. So the way I did that is I did a full autoimmune, even if I didn't have an, uh, I didn't have an autoimmune, uh, disease. I did an autoimmune protocol for a month and that's a prescription diet that takes a lot of stuff out of your diet, uh, for one month. And then you reintroduce. So once right. you get into uh, autoimmune protocol, AIP, um, you're basically eating meats and vegetables and fruits. Like you can't eat grains or beans or sugar, alcohol, caffeine, eggs, or, you know, so you, you eliminate a lot of the main culprits and then you slowly start to bring them back in. You right. give your body the chance to heal. Um, and then you, you see what you, so that's what I did. And it worked for me. Cause I understand now that like gluten doesn't agree with me. A lot of dairy doesn't agree with me. I don't eat a whole lot of grains. I don't eat a lot of beans anymore. And I'm Brazilian, right. And the yeah. rice and beans, it's all we yeah, eat every yeah. day. Um, I don't drink coffee, alcohol, you know, sh- no added sugar, all of these things. Like, um, but that's, that's the approach that I took. Some people might find it better to just like remove one class at a time and yeah. see if there's a different that way. I would just say with gluten, you have to wait at least six months, um, with a gluten-free diet for you to really feel the difference yes. uh, because the, that's how long 
of the inflammation from gluten can affect you. Mm -hmm. So it might be not within, you might eat gluten today and it still feel the effect six months from now. So I would say with gluten, give it a, give it a fair chance, you know, make a good, make it a good experiment. Um, But what you will find that once you cut gluten, you will cut a lot of things in your life that weren't serving you, for example, like processed treats, you know, the donut your coworkers are bringing and, you know, like the white slice of bread that every once in a while is not a big deal, but then you realize you eat it almost every week, you know? (laughs) Yeah, it is interesting. The gluten-free approach is, is incredible because when you start realizing how much they actually put wheat into processed foods that you would never even think should or need to be in there but it's mm-hmm. almost like that's how they keep making money on the crop you know yeah why we you know are now we we're not able to process this stuff yeah even like things like soy sauce yeah. you know granola bars oats oats is a great example like the the grain itself it's gluten-free but it's processed harvest with the same machinery than right. wheat and then the cross-contamination is rampant so you can eat oats and you know react to gluten and yeah or people do like, I'll just do a low gluten diet. I'm like, you might as well not do it at all because a little bit of gluten will still like um, react. You still react to it. So I'm like, just I just am a fan of good experiments. Just give it a fair chance. You know, if you can commit to that. Uh, one thing that I say, it's like you will find that the joy of having a vibrant life with like maybe no joint pain or like lower, you know, better mood. It, it's going to better energy, better sleep. It's going to outweigh the that croissant that you want to eat, or it's going to outweigh that f- eating that food. I that's why I tell people like if you find it, it's not worth it. Then you go back to it, but right. um, don't be scared of missing something so much because why are you going to gain? It might be your whole life. You might just gain yes. your life back, and you realize it's worth it. I I love the way you speak about it because I absolutely one hundred percent get it, feel it, understand it, have gone through it myself. You know what I mean? Like the, the, I had lost 40 pounds when I did the gluten-free and I was like, Oh, I didn't realize that this was the problem. You know what I mean? Like I really, mm-hmm. but it affected my digestion and it just like every single thing that joint pain, all this stuff that, you know, in my thirties, I shouldn't have had it go, had that going on for so long. I ended up going gluten-free in my, on my 40th birthday after I I had everybody take me out and they all got, got me Guinnesses. I drank all this. And then I had this terrible candida attack. And I was like, never, ever, ever again. Cause I had already been kind of playing around with treating the candida through a change in the diet, you know, but I wasn't, I didn't fully commit. So yeah, when I did yeah. fully commit, it, the change occurred and it and it was, it gave me so much of my life back, you know? And another thing too, that I, I always like, like to remind people is that once you're transitioning to like an anti-inflammatory diet, um, again, just eating more whole-based foods, uh, the whole other whole form, you might actually feel worse for a second, uh, for a week or more, because you might be experiencing die off from that dysbiotic, dysbiotic organisms in your body. So for example, candida is a good example or like different bacteria that now you're cutting their food source. Was it starch or sugar or whatever it was that it was, you know, feeding off of, um, 
you, if you cut that food source, they're going to die in your body. And when they die, they release toxins. So you might, if you do have a highly processed uh, diet with like lots of sugars and, um, you know, like gluten products and things, it might be the case that the first week that you're eliminating these products, you're going to feel like crap. And I just, I advise you to just, you know, um, obviously like if you are able to have a practitioner following you, um, you know, always touch base with them, but, uh, yeah, like taking, just push through in a way that don't get discouraged. You know, obviously if you're feeling super, like always look for help if you don't feel well, but like, don't get discouraged because that's actually a good sign, even though it feels terrible. And, um, if you're following certain protocols, I followed, uh, Dr. Amy Myers and she had, a full also supplementation protocol, like using uh, different binders to help with like binding toxins from the die off. Um, so that you are doing, you know, the dietary protocol plus some supplements to help you and uh, not feel the die off so bad so that you can, um, you know, just like feel better quicker, Yeah, uh, not, not give up. Like I'm starting this diet. I'm feeling terrible, but yeah, that, that was a huge resource that helps me kickstart my my uh, journey. One of the other things that I came across, which I found was interesting because one thing I know I'm not good at. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I am not as good as you about everything. I'm very good <laughs> with my diet, but I'm not good with water. And, you know, I mean, I drink water, like water is the main mm-hmm. thing that I drink, mm-hmm. but I'm not good with taking enough in. I know I, I always feel dehydrated. So, mm-hmm. you know, I noticed that you give this like structured water recipe. Like, what is that about? I've never really heard it. And I know that this is probably really valuable information. So why don't you share that with us? Yeah. So I um, started learning more about structured water when I started working with uh, Dr. Kathy Eo. Um, She is like a doctor of chiropractor um, and a detox specialist that I worked with for like over a year, um, to really opening, start opening up my detox pathways. So I could, you know, detox from Lexapro, which was going through the taper, but also I had this, uh, I have this genetic mutation on my MTHFR gene, which is my methylation gene, uh, that helps with detoxing toxic compounds from your body, as well as helping assimilate different vitamins like B12, which by the way is critical for, mm. um, you know, neurotransmitter production, um, and folate, same thing. Mm. So, um, which by the way, start getting close to that root cause, you know, um, idea that I was talking about, like I didn't know I had this genetic mutation that now I have just have to supplement with B12 and full, you know, methylated B12 and folate and B vitamins for, probably for life because it's genetic, but, um, but it's good stuff for you. Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly. And then the more I can eat it from like whole food sources, like beef liver and eggs and things like that, like the better, but, um, in working with her, she's a, a wonderful practitioner that is really, she takes ancestral knowledge above all else. Mm-hmm. So now we have, we have science, we have medicine, just uh, like finally coming up with research and stuff that prove what ancestral knowledge and yes. that nature always knew. So mm-hmm. when you look at water and its nature state, it's coming from a source and it's like vortexing through rocks and it's being exposed to sunlight. It acquires a different structure. And um, Dr. Polak, I think from the University of Oregon, I forget which university he's in, um, but his lab 
he, you know, studies this, the, the fourth phase of water, which he's, he calls the easy water, which is a different structure that water takes. It's almost a gel-like, which is similar to what it has in nature. So it's not this liquid. It's almost like a gel-like structure. And that, that structure of the water, that's what's truly hydrating to your body. It's mm. also um, been researched that if you just drink tons of plain water, like you're saying, like, I don't hydrate enough. And some people are, they are hydrating too much. They're drinking this plain water that, you know, it's either tap water or filtered. Yeah. That's actually diluting the electrolytes in their bodies, mm. you know, and making things even worse. Cause you're about, you know, you need electrolytes for all these yeah. different purposes, but also for electricity and your, you know, that's your whole body, including your brain. That's how it communicates. So um, by looking at water, it's natural state, also full of minerals and, and such. Uh, that is how the, that is the water your body craves. So unfortunately, most people are drinking tap water coming from the municipal treatment systems. Yeah. It's being highly chlorinated. There has been added fluoride for mm. whatever reason, which they, they say is for teeth health. Mm. When there's no, you know, like indication that chronic low grade ingestion of fluoride is good for teeth. You can even call it fluoridosis, <laughs> right. right? Which is like, um, now topical fluoride treatments, right? you know, I think it's been researched and, you know, they use in dentistry. I don't put the thing on my, like, I don't put that on my <laughs> body, but still I, um, so people are drinking that tap water with fluoride, fluoride, all these, even like byproducts that, you know, like medication and pesticide, yeah. they're drinking that. The people there, um, and you know, you just don't have that. It's it's being through copper pipes, not being exposed to like sun or vortexing or anything. Mm-hmm. Some people like me, what we do is like, okay, I'm gonna filter my water. But still, once you filter it, now you're taking the bad stuff and the good stuff. You don't have any electrolytes, no right. magnesium, potassium, you know. So um, what I do is, okay, how can I get this water get going close, you know, getting closer to the, their original state as possible, which I know is good for my cell because it's nature. That's ancient knowledge. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, then there's a few different ways to do that. Ideally you're getting your water from nature. You're getting it from a spring. So there's this website called findaspring.com mm. where you can look for natural springs near you. I'm very lucky in Utah. I live in Salt Lake city and we have one downtown which is like come from yeah like aquifer or in another in two really great sources of natural water and i just fill up my jugs and i just make sure i drink it before like two weeks in two weeks i think that's when the structure kind of starts to you know like revert back for the the h2o so i try to drink that within weeks so that's the best best water in my mind you know there's other people have different views but it's good uh, natural water from a spring if you don't have access to that, what you can do is you can use a good water filter. And there's many of them in the market. Like Berkey is a really good example. I use Clearly Filter in my house because um, uh, they filtered both fluoride and aluminum. And aluminum is something that's important to me because of my history. So, um, and a lot of times they use an aluminum-based uh, medium to take fluoride out. So it kind of, it, there's an exchange or something that it might be spilling aluminum into your water. So oh, you wow. really want to do a research that whatever is taking the fluoride fluoride out is not spilling aluminum into your mm. water. 
Um, and clearly filter, they, they don't use a base like that. So I really like their products. Um, so I do that. I, um, I actually, I go one step above a lot of things and people, that's when people think you're a little crazy, but I, I write <laughs> words of gratitude on my picture, you know? Uh. So there's like, thank you. Welcome. You know, like all these, like, um, obrigado, you know, in all different languages, like, you're, oh, wow. so I, I just write all words because words are, you know, their, their thoughts and their energy. So to me, that's how I put a few of like, um, different rocks that don't, you know, they're like important to me, like crystals are important to me and they're okay in water. There's some, they're not. So do your research, but mm-hmm. that also help like bring some energy. Um, and then I, add um like a pinch of real redmond salt which okay. is like a, a salt that's mined from like ancient um sea beds in utah so it's like they they go it from under the surface so it's not exposed to pollution it's really good salt for like electrolyte balance and all like different minerals um and then you can add something that will form that gel-like consistency. So if you want to add like some chia seeds to it, that will create that gel-like consistency in the water and help structure it. Um, mm. Ochre water too, people do that a lot. Or you can add sliced cucumber, you know, so you can add different things that will help create that gel-like consistency to um, just really hydrate you better. Wow. Um, That's awesome. It's all, you know, all these things are beautifully um, overlapping with energy. You know what I mean? So wherever you can direct energy in a positive way and somehow contain it, it's only going to be a positive thing. But I feel it's really interesting. I want to look into that a lot for myself. I I do have well water, which I feel is Mm -hmm. good to an extent. At least I don't have the fluoride in my water. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I I just feel that there's something missing. And when I stumbled across that, I said, hmm. I, what I is like that? This. Yeah. yeah. And you can, you, know? you can structure your water inside your body too, just by, you know, like exposing yourself to sunshine, um, yeah. being nature, you know, I know we've told a lot to like fear the sun and use sunscreen and all of these things, which, you know, you have to know your skin type and I never, right. um, you know, recommend that you get burned, especially repeatedly. But I also, I also encourage people not to be scared of the sun and get out, get exposed early morning. Sun's great for regulating sleep, wake cycles. You're like release of cortisol, melatonin. So that's huge. Mm. Um, and then like midday sun for a short period of time, that's your best bet on, you know, creating like your endogenous, like your own uh, vitamin D, um, especially during the summer, because a lot of places, like I'm in Utah after a certain latitude throughout the rest of the year, you really can't produce your own uh, D vitamins. So, um, and also structuring the water, that's a a really good way to do that. You can also eat your water. If you eat a cucumber, an apple, an orange, the water inside fruits and vegetables are structured because they're in nature. So you can eat your hydration too. Yes, yes. Everyone, fruits and veggies. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, it's interesting that you mentioned the sleep too. And, you know, that is a psychiatric symptom that pops up in so many areas. Um, That was one of the things that kept putting me back into their hands because I didn't get off the meds appropriately when I, I was trying to. I did it too fast. And then the sleeping issues were overwhelming. So um, you do mention that there are some root causes, though, to Mm -hmm. sleeping problems. 
So mm. what are, and, and you also mentioned how melatonin, you know, and I use melatonin and mm-hmm. I know it's a hormone, but as I was tapering, you know, my psychiatrist who was actually on board for all of like three months. And then she's like, no, 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 I can't order compound liquid. I wanted the compound liquid to do it. So she couldn't do it. So I was like, all right, fine. Um, but she said, stay on that melatonin. And cause I tried to get off that too. And I noticed mm-hmm. that I guess I am accustomed to it now. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? But I want it. Yeah. I don't want to g- take it in so much so that it like kind of, is the, I don't, I can't make my own, you know? Mm -hmm. So like, what are some of the root causes of sleeping problems that you come across Mm -hmm. and maybe some different types of supplements to consider for that? Yeah, no, that's a really good question. And I think like sleep problem, like the mood issues are also full body conditioned. So there Mm -hmm. could be a series of like different, uh, but I just found that toxicity is a big one in Mm -hmm. whatever shape or form it's coming into your body. So if it's heavy metal toxicity or if it's mold, um, it's, um, you know, or if it's food that you're ingesting like pesticide, if you're just eating conventional or through like a highly processed diet, uh, when your detox organ, named mainly your liver, gallbladder. You also have your kidneys and skin, but mainly your liver. When um, it starts to stay more stagnant, you will see that we'll probably fall asleep. And within one or three hours, you're going to, you're going to wake up. And then you might continue to wake up throughout the night and have a, um, so a stagnant liver, I found, you know, in my own experience and a lot of people to be a big root cause of problems now uh, for sleep problems. Uh, stealth infections are huge too, because they also overbunders the liver and a whole. So if you have, for example, I battle with H. pylori, um, you know, chronic infection of H. pylori, or if you have candida, or if you have, you know, Bardonella, you know, um, different bugs like that with that are not, you know, right now, like you can't tell I have H. pylori, right. But it's like here in I've been tested for it and I know I have it and I have symptoms here and there, but, um, once it went, when I had a flare up, that's when my sleep got completely disturbed. Mm. So that's another one. Um, you can have just poor, poor sleep hygiene in the way that you're getting exposed to really bright lights at night and not getting exposed to enough light in the morning. So, um, overhead bright lights at night is what's going to suppress the release of your, your own melatonin. And then you can't fall asleep. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are just waking up and doing their stuff and going straight to work and not seeing the daylight for the entire day. And that first sunlight exposure to your eyes is what's going to get the release of cortisol because cortisol and melatonin, then they dance, you know, mm. cortisol wakes you up and melatonin makes you go to sleep. So your mm. cortisol is, is supposed to peak in the morning and decrease in the afternoon and your melatonin starts to peak late after, or it starts to, you know, increase late afternoon and peak at night. Oh. So a lot of people, they feel they have an invert cortisol, which they're really tired in the morning and at night they're, they're wired. They have like right. this energy search and they're like, I'm a night owl. I'm like, right. no, you have an invert cortisol curve. Interesting. <laughs> so you can help your own body regulate the wake, like, um, sleep wake system or cycle by, you know, start up to avoid overhead bright lights at night, maybe yes. after sunset. It's a good, you know, because in different places, different latitudes, the sun sets and 
at different times. So if it's a good rule of thumb after sunset, try to avoid uh, overlap bright lights. The way I did that now, like I just, I'm really getting used to getting myself around in the dark. That's one. I installed, you know, um, just lamps with like really um, like warm light bulbs in them. Mm. So that's what I do. So the, if you have overhead, that's overhead bright. So overhead LED, that's the worst kind, mm. you know, for your melatonin. But if you have lamps with like warm lights around, like just ambient light, or if it's lower to the ground, that is not going to impact your melatonin as much. Wow. Uh, so just, you know, I got myself blue light blockers because even though people are like, don't watch TV right before going to bed, I always find myself watching TV right before going yeah, to bed. Like, that's how I wind down. And you know, it's really hard. I'm like, I can't just cut everything. So you just have to pick, you know, I turn my, my TV brightness too low and I yeah. put my blue blockers, oh, you know. Nice. Um, and then the first thing that I do when I wake up is I step outside or I open the window and I expose my eyes to the sunlight. And that will like, uh, help with your, um, so going back to root cause, I found that one time I tried to taper and I had a delayed, um, withdrawal. So the, I tapered and two and a half months later, I had a withdrawal, oh, which, really? which it's not, which is not recognized by mainstream psychiatry. Right. They just say it's not withdrawal. They just say it's your original condition. You need to be put back on the drug. Right. So that's exactly what happened. I started, I experienced a really uh, acute onset of depression and anxiety. Um, and then they were like, you need to go back on a drug. And then that first week I had, had, had zero Lexapro for two months. And then they put me back on 10 milligrams and I just oh. couldn't sleep for the life of me. And it was like electricity going through my body, you know? Oh. And it was really, really brutal. Um, and then they like, okay, to sleep now, you can take Xanax. <laughs> I'm like, this is what they do. I'm like, what's going on? So that's when I found, I'm like, okay. So there is an order for things. Like, um, you know, there's the prescription Xanax for sleep. And then below that, in my mind, there's like the over-the-counter stuff, which is probably like some sort of antihistamine right? Mm -hmm. Not non, you know, some of them are non habit forming. Okay. Below that there's melatonin mm -hmm. and then below that in, in terms of risk, I'm saying, or even, you know, cause for dependence. And then below that I have other supplements and then lifestyle changes. The lifestyle changes are going to take months. When I'm in crisis, I need something to act faster. Right. Right. So to me, that's when I reach for melatonin. It's on these times where I'm like, I need extra support and I don't want to go to pharmaceutical. Like I'm going to go to the supplement that I know it's not ideal long-term, but right. right now this is what I need. So giving yourself that support that you need when you do, and if it's too, too, too bad, I'm like, I'm, I'm popping a Xanax, you know, like I can't just like suffer so much, especially if your support systems aren't in place. Yeah. So in terms of supplements for sleep, I always, I, I always say the best supplement is that it's addressing the root cause. So if you're doing that, <laughs> as well there's also no shame in like finding extra support through supplementation will get hopefully get you there faster but a combination of l-theanine and gaba mm -hmm. and magnesium has helped me a lot and might help different people it might not but i just find that like these three supplements are being really key and you know herbal uh, herbal medicine to me is so key in form of yeah. teas or tinctures so lemon balm lavender um, anything that agrees, agrees with you in terms of like soothing herbs. Um, mm -hmm. I just say 
chamomile is it's good, but it's also highly diuretic. So if you're waking up in the middle of the night to go pee because you drink chamomile tea, then maybe you want to stay away from that one. Yeah, because yeah, then it's hard to get back to sleep, right? <laughs> and then and then you interrupt your sleep other ways. So right. that's usually what I I recommend to people and some of the root causes, but there's so so many. Um, to explore. Mm-hmm. Well, it is an interesting thing because um, I ended up getting a, a, a new like day job. Okay. In April. And I was one of these, well, I'm an I know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, and that was always like a problem because it was like, all right, I guess I have to just stay on the meds until I can figure out a way to get over this me needing to be a night owl because I'm an artist. So it's like, you know, oh, I'm going to start work at like two o'clock in the morning. Like that did not serve me. Mm-hmm. So when I finally committed to doing the withdrawal, I said, I absolutely need to work on sleep hygiene. So mm-hmm. I, you know, it took a long time and it's not just since April, but April pushed it over the the top as first priority because I had to, I have to drive like an hour and a half to get into the city to teach, you know what I mean? Like in the morning. So it's like, oh my gosh. So anyway, I am at a stage where I could finally say that I figured it out for myself. And it is such a nice thing to, you know, to figure it out, to to identify an issue, you know, and say, well, this is where I'm weak. Instead of just saying, well, that's my bipolar. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's not it, these. And, and just to go back to psychiatry for a moment, we both know that these labels that a lot of these things are, you know, uh, all of these symptoms are like kind of squeezed into, you know, a lot of these are arbitrary and Mm -hmm. there's social implications to a lot of these things. And, you know, the roots of, I mean, you know, we, uh, the DSM had homosexuality as a, as a Mm -hmm. mental disorder only up until like 1973. So, you know, this is the manual, you know? Mm -hmm. And, And so I'm hoping as we continue to go out there and, and, and continue to share with people different views on these things that it, you know, it's going to change, you know, more and more people will question more. Now, mm-hmm. one of the other things that I have found, and maybe you've come across this a little bit in your tapering uh, group or or in your journey, up until like recently, there was a stigma about mental illness. But I feel like within the last few years, the stigma has lessened because people realize, wait, everyone's got it. You know what I mean? Like something, mm-hmm. everybody's got something. So that was a cool thing. But then I started seeing that was my cue to say, okay, it's time to start tapering now. Now, after 27 years. But Mm -hmm. the thing is, it was like I started noticing that there's a stigma associated with people who are trying to taper. Mm -hmm. So not I don't take it like personally, like, oh, it's against me personally, but I feel like you know, there's this sense of make sure you stay on those meds because they've helped you this whole time. You know, this institution is just so I feel, you know, um, it has a lot of, you know, advocates. Mm-hmm. So when you try to step away and do think something that is definitely, I'm not going to say possibly, definitely more healthy for you. You know, I mean, you don't want to I, I look at the older people in my family. 
the people who are doing best are the ones who have less, the, the least amount of medication in them. So you want to, if, if the doctor is going to say, well, you can do this or you can take this med, it's always best to try to have a, a, a med light lifestyle. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Because yeah. it's just, it's a long-term accumulation. So, um, you know, I, I have come across that, that there's a lot of, you know, um, resistance, Mm-hmm. against the 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 beginning of the process and i i truly believe it's only because the so much of the industry the mental health industry is you know a pro pharmaceutical approach mm-hmm. have you come across this similar thing that people who are trying to get off they don't have help from not only their doctors but their family as well oh a hundred percent a hundred percent i just want to touch the point that like that this whole thing, like, don't be, you know, don't be ashamed of your meds and which I don't, I don't think people should be, but I also, you should also realize that that's, that is big pharma propaganda to like keep you in that loop of, you know, don't be ashamed. So that is, it's a slogan, the same slogan that, and that, you know, kind of advertise neurotransmitter imbalance. It's very similar propaganda. So I just, it's like, good to be aware of that yes. at the same time i also people should never feel ashamed of any of tr- any choice that they're making to try to survive right so if you're trying to survive you're making a choice i uh, i really don't care if you know what it is you're doing your best because mm-hmm. ideally you wouldn't have to be in that situation right. um and i think there needs to be more of this compassion of like if you're taking a natural approach or if you take a pharmaceutical approach your story matters. You're still going through a hard time. Like you yes. are, um, like you're like, whatever you're going through is valid and we see you for who you are. And there's yes. no shame in here. Unfortunately, especially the pandemic, um, people get really polarized about if you're not doing this thing, then that means that you're absolutely crazy. Mm. And, you know, and it gets into, a, even a political discourse. Yeah. But I guess I've come across that in my life, especially because when you, we started taper, um, you will, you know, you might feel withdrawal, which mm. means that you will get worse before you get better. Yeah. In which case people will doubt you and you're going to start doubting yourself. They're going to look at you and saying, why are you doing this against you? Didn't you doctor psychiatrist mm-hmm. say you MD, your quote unquote, real doctors are telling you that you should stay and you're following maybe a naturopath or a functional medicine specialist or an integrative psychiatrist. And they're like, this is not the norm. So I'm scared for you. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I got a lot of that. I had people living in my house. I had that were like that, that relationships. And it took in when you're going through taper and you have people in your life doubting you. Mm. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I'm there with you because that happened to me. And I think that happens to most people. They don't want to see you suffer. And it comes a lot of time from a place of caring. Yeah. Um, in my journey, I had to get away from those relationships. So yes. I had to um, either establish a boundary or what happened was ending the relationships altogether. Yeah. Um, and then I was able to, through time, find the people that supported me. And that's why I created that support group. So people know they're not alone. And mm. even to share the stories of like, uh, my husband, my mom, like they're all doubting me so much. Tell me I'm not crazy for doing this. Right. Mm. Like tell me that I'm not alone. And that's how, um, 
that that group came to fruition um but it's it's there and i don't think that people should be ashamed for any choice they do when it comes to their health um, right as long as they have all the information like the information they need to make a good choice for themselves. Right. Well, that's one of the pushes why we both agree that there should be informed consent because mm-hmm. unfortunately they're not given the full picture and they don't really discover the full picture unless they want to be a non-compliant patient. Mm-hmm. It's like the worst thing. Yeah. I mean, like I was the good little compliant person. And then the few times I was like, hmm, I want to try to do something else. It was like, that was it. I became the beast in, you know, in their minds. So it is very difficult. And I, I am hundred percent behind you and also supporting that point that bottom line is if you're not feeling well, you need to take care of yourself. So if mm-hmm. that is the course that you've chosen for now, um, know that there is a, there is a, a day that you may be able to take that tapering process as well, you know, but definitely the idea is to get yourself out of crisis. I mean, because crisis can lead to terrible uh, consequences. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I do want to say your space is so important. I'm so happy that you're doing what you're doing because it's um, we don't have spaces like that. And I'm, I mean, look at me. I'm talking about this stuff all the time. I wrote a book on this. You know, I mean, I'm hoping to get my agent soon. But it's like, I, I, I do a podcast. I still need that space for support. I need to sometimes come to to and and hear people who are struggling. And and you know, sometimes people are in, are in a very bad place. You know, when you mm-hmm. when you see that. And you know, but that's I always that's also hope for me because I say, you know what there's, there's a road, you know what I mean? Mm. And, and I've been worse than half of, you know, what people consider bad, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like I've been in very, I've been hospitalized several times. I mean, because of situations. So, you know, but I could always go back and point to where the problems were root cause when I gave myself that time to really believe in myself and believe in my interpretation of where I was struggling, like mind, body, spirit, you know what I mean? And where the balances were wrong. So it's so nice to have the space that you create and it feels so safe. I mean, I want to thank you for that because- Yeah, it's uh, I, there's not that many of those out there, you know. And so, if anybody needs this support group, please look it up um, under. You, you can find it under your Instagram, but also on your website too. You you advertise that, yes, right? I do. Yeah, it's uh, www.healthwithemily.com, and Emily is spelled E M I L I E, the French spelling. <laughs> of health yeah you can sign up there for the support group we have a chat on instagram i found that's been the best like um a lot of people will find me through instagram so the best platform in that regard but i also have an email list where i share the monthly group calls that we do so we have a a monthly one hour call on google meets every month i try to do the third Thursday of the month towards the later part of the day, it changes depending on your time zone. But what I've been doing recently is bringing different guest speakers. So people that have been through uh, or going through psychiatric medication, tapering, sharing their stories, what helped the struggles just in everyone, just like asking questions and sharing their part, you know, 
however it's relevant to them. Um, so we just, we just, you know, support each other that way. And then in between, in between calls, we just, yeah, get on the chat and, and share, you know, messages and words of encouragement and things like that. So it's great. It's such a nice thing to have. You also have a yoga series for anxiety and depression. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? How is that? Is that new that you're putting out there? Yes, it is. I started um, maybe in July. So every there's a different set of Fridays. So I have it on my Instagram too. It's listed all the dates that I um, set up for that. But um, we get emotions and different, you know, traumatic experiences stored in our body. So in, in case of anxiety and depression, there's a lot related to like your shoulder, neck area, your solar plexus area, hips. Um, so the yoga synchro because I also studied yoga and I'm a 200 hour, uh, certified yoga structure. I try to, you know, get into more holistic ways of managing that. And I've, I felt that over the years, I am really in my head when it comes to, especially depression, because it starts to lie to you and tell you that you're not worth it, that, you know, Mm. nothing matters. You don't have motivation. And the only way I couldn't think my way out of it, I couldn't think my way into motivation. And the only one to get out of that state into a more aligned state is through movement. So yoga, dancing, um, and that's what I try to like bring to people. Like if you're stuck in a certain emotion, to stay, you have to move your way out or move yeah. your way into another one. Um, so my yoga series, they're just, you know, short, uh, 30 to 45 minute yoga sequences that are designed to relieve anxiety and depression. Um, I'm working on, it's a, you know, each Friday is a different sequence, but in the end you will have maybe hour or like hour and a half practice where you can tie all these sequences together on your own. And I will make it available through a portal on my website. So I'm working on that. Um, just so it's a, another resource that people can have when, you know, these like feelings, because once you're going through taper, you will, you know, you might have different physical symptoms, but in my case, it was very mental. It really, really did look like my original conditions. So, and the, you know, the, what caused me to be going to med on the first place. So, um, I found it super important to support myself with yoga and meditation, breath work, um, and those are all the things that are included in, in the, oh, great. I, I have to show up. I have to show up to this. I have to definitely check it out because yeah, um, I'd love to have you there. Yeah. It, it's, it's wonderful. And, and I, I want to go back to just that one last point because I know this, I don't attack, I don't want to come across as a person who's attacking people who are, who went into a medical field you know, um, but I, I think that the best of them have questions about the field because they would be smart to ask with no, with very little evidence. It's not as evidence-based as they've tried to convince their students of and their patients of. So, you know, um, it's, it's a, it's a good thing that, uh, change is coming because holistic psychiatry is a wonderful field that does point, they do explore functional medicine and and what the root causes are. So, you know, Mm -hmm. it's not to say that somebody can't transition over to a more holistic viewpoint, you know, but let's face it. I mean, that over compartmentalization of things has Mm -hmm. harmed what our understanding of the mind, you know, and how to treat these things that come up. Mm -hmm. Um, But you're doing amazing work and I really appreciate it. One last thing I I do uh, want you to just share is, you know, you mentioned at the end of the psych meds 
support group that time about the um, hashtag. It's going to be, oh, you know, two yes. weeks or something. Explain that because yes. that's important. Yes. And that's good for me because, you know, like I'm still on, I still probably have about six months to go. I'm trying to do 10% of the previous month's dose. Yeah. My titration. So I still have a little ways to go, but I know that that's going to be critical for me. So yeah. tell us what that means. Thank you. Yeah. So I want to uh, start this hashtag, this movement um, called more than two weeks. So basically in traditional psychiatry and in that, I forget the name of the book, DSM, I think with mm-hmm. that um, mm-hmm. um, describes the different, you know, mood behaviors and conditions. Um, there, it says that if you are getting off of a psychiatric medication and if you, if you have any types of symptoms, um, there might be association with withdrawal, well, what they call discontinuation syndrome, because they don't want to call it withdrawal, right? Because that's uh, too charged. Because that would be really saying, like, this is as bad as heroin, right? Heroin. So, uh, um, so um, if it's if it's after that two week mark from when you finished the drug, like me, I had a two and a half month withdrawal case. That's your original condition. You should be put back on the drug. So if after you quit, if you have any symptoms after two weeks, that's not withdrawal anymore. And that's a very harmful narrative because withdrawal can happen for weeks, months, you know, years. It can happen. It can, if you don't do it in a supported manner that most psychiatrists that put you on the drug are not going to lead you through that process. If you don't do it in a supported manner, you, you know, um, there might be with delay withdrawal, withdrawal that will last like your entire month or, you know, so that, that narrative is what put me back on the drug three times before I was able to, to taper safely and what, you know, what worked for me. Um, so what I want to try to say is that people can share their stories, put the hashtag more than two weeks, you know, that's an arbitrary time frame that people sitting in the room decided that's right. That's what's happening across the board. Mm-hmm. And it's has harmed a lot of people because if I knew it was withdrawal, I would ask myself, what can I do to support myself? You know, and I would try to find the answer in other ways that wouldn't put me back in that loop because then now I'm stuck with it for however many months or years, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so by sharing my story, that's how I got connected with Jen. That's how I connected to now. We have around like 20 people in a support group and more that just like join the calls every time. Mm-hmm. Um, that is how my message got out and it's helping people. So if you're, if you're a story, if you ever comfortable sharing your story um, and putting that hashtag, and we're going to create, you know, a repository of these stories that yeah. people can like page through and read and realize that they're not alone. Um, so, so that's what I was trying to create with that, with this movement. Like we're much more than this arbitrary like time that they created, that they yeah. stipulated. Um, withdrawal or like discontinuation, like taper, it takes a different shape and form for everyone. Yes. And the fact that it is a different for you, it doesn't mean that that's not what you're going through you know, that, you know, which is some sort of medical gaslighting. Oh, that's not withdrawal. That's your original condition. Right. So, um, that's what I'm trying to get that. And I would love if anyone would like to share their story, put that hashtag, I want to read them and, you know, 
do like what you do and like invite them to the group support the support group or to you know mm -hmm. like share their stories so i'd love to get in touch I'm sure that there's a lot of success stories out there too, you know, yeah. and it's so the more of us come together and, and communicate, it's, it's, I feel we can possibly make a difference. I, I, it's, it's thrilling because I never thought this day would come. Honestly, I've been through so much with them and it's just, it feels really good to meet like-minded people. So thank you yeah. so much. Now tell us, I know that you, you gave us your Instagram, you gave us your website, yeah. Is there any other ways that people can find you and anything that you want to offer them? The other, the only other way would be my email. So healthwithemily at gmail.com. Um, send me an email if you'd like to, you know, maybe join the support group or the online yoga series or do one-on-one -on -one health coaching. That's something I offer as well. So, um, you know, if you have, I can help you with, um, the basics of health. That's how I call it, but basically, you know, diet, hydration, lifestyle, um, it includes, you know, it can include movement, breath work, different biohacking techniques that, you know, have worked for me De definitely, um, you know, detoxing, which is another really big thing that has supported my, my journey. So I do offer one-on-one, um, health coaching offerings and, and yeah, so just get in touch with me. Uh, we'll hopefully connect somehow to just, you know, be a support to each other in this journey. Absolutely. This is great. I hope you have a good reach out, outreach to the people who need to hear from you because you're really uh, doing wonderful things. And I'm, I'm thrilled to have stumbled upon your work because it's so life affirming. And it's exciting, too, because, you know, when you have someone who's gone through it, and it's telling the story and then it presents in the way you do success, you know, and, and, and health. It's, it's very uh, encouraging for, for this is a long process. And this is a one that you have to have confidence and, and how does a person have confidence when they struggle from mental distress anyway, you know what I mean? Like you have to work against those doubts. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for <laughs> coming on board, telling your story and, and giving us your wisdom. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Honor to be here. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Not As Crazy As You Think. And don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel. And remember, mental health is attainable for anyone, especially those labeled with mental illness. Until next time, peace out.